Yes, love you. Hello, everyone. Wow, what a wonderful greeting. It is good to be with you today. I actually heard a rumor that authenticity and vulnerability are wanted here. And so I am coming to you today as Elaine, not as minister, not as doctor, not as dean. This is the way I look in everyday life. So I'm just coming to you today as me. So what I'd like to do is um, I'm going to share part of my story with you, but first I want to introduce you to my family, because they are also not here. They are in New Jersey. So if you, if you can pull up the picture, if possible. If not, that's okay. Um, so, there it is. Okay. So this is my family. Okay. So on the left, you'll see our dog, Sadie. She always, when I'm not around, she sleeps on my pillow. Um, I am her human. She is my dog. She is diva extraordinaire, which is totally opposite of me. We have not yet tried to paint her toenails, but I bet if we did, she would love it. That's just the type of dog that she is. The middle picture, this is my family and I. This is just a little, little over a week ago um, at Niagara Falls. Um, my husband had the weekend off. Um, our son had the weekend off, so I took some time off, too. And so this is what we look like today. Stefan and I have been married for 20 years. He is, he is an active-duty Army chaplain, and so that is why we are in New Jersey. We move somewhere new every two to three-ish years, and so we are there now. And it is the most wonderful thing to watch your spouse fulfill how God is calling them to work out their relationship with God. There's nothing better than that. And so I love him. I love what he does. I love the military community. Um, That's my home. That's my family. That is also our son, Liam. He is going to be 12 in January. He is in sixth grade, and he is an old soul in a preteen's body. Okay, he's already gotten through the voice change, so he talks like this, and he's about this tall, Uh, loves soccer, loves playing Roblox, and the best thing about that is that he gets to play it with friends from other places where we've lived, so it connects them all together. So this is um, my family. The last picture that I want to talk about is um, when Liam was about four years old, We were stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. It's now called Fort Liberty. Stefan was with a special forces unit, and they have days where they jump out of airplanes or Blackhawks, and they invite families to come and watch. So this was a day that we we had gone to do that, and Liam saw his dad walking towards him and ran as fast as he could, grabbed his leg, and hugged him, and Stefan put his helmet on top of his head, and I had to snap a picture. This is by far my most favorite picture of my husband and my son. And I brought this picture today because this picture takes place about halfway through the story that I'm going to tell you about today. And I want you to see, I want you to tangibly see, that there, are, there is goodness There are moments of joy, even in the most difficult times that we may go through in our lives. So what I'd like to do now is I would like to read a psalm to you. And this is a psalm that I have loved since my early 20s. 
And it played a pivotal role in the two and a half years that I'm going to tell you about. There were times where I would read this and I would cry and I would scream at God. There were other times where I thought, okay, God, is this really who you are? Because this is who you used to be, but this is not who you are now. Um, There are all kinds of emotions that came along with it, but it brings me so much peace and groundedness. So I'd like to read it and then pray, and then I'll jump into my story. So this is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your unending, unending love for us. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will infiltrate this space with your love, your mercy, your kindness, and your gentleness. I ask, Lord Jesus, even as I share about some really, really hard things, I ask that your light would shine through the crevices of the darkness and reach the soul. Would you be amongst us today and speak so clearly to us? And I pray the same for those who may be watching elsewhere or who may hear this at a later time. Would you infiltrate their space? We love you, Lord. Amen. So my story today, it actually starts in 2008, um, and that is when I started my PhD. Now, there are some things that you need to know about me in regards to 2008, and then the date that I'm actually going to be talking about happens in January 2015. But in 2008, I had had a series of conversations, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to do a PhD. And so because of that, I pursued it. I was trying to be obedient to God. And I ended up going into what's called Second Temple Jewish Literature and History. Uh, Most people would call that the intertestamental period. That is not normal for someone to do. So when I started at my school, I was the first active duty spouse to pursue a degree in that area. I was the first female from a Pentecostal background to pursue a degree in that area. Um, And there were so many obstacles that were placed in front of me because I was not supposed to succeed. And when I say obstacles, I mean every single relationship that I had at the beginning of my program in 2008 It had either been severely changed or shifted, or it had been severed, not by me, but by the other person. And that was because when people are afraid, when they don't understand someone who is doing something different, it's easier to shut them out than it is to engage in conversation and try to understand what's happening and why. So with these obstacles, there was that, there were obstacles in every aspect of my life. But Jesus had always been 
so incredibly real to me. From the time I was a child, I mean, when I was on a swing set, I thought Jesus was pushing me, not just the wind and not just my legs. That's how tangible um, Jesus is to me. And from 2008 to 2015, I literally watched God change people's minds, change people's hearts. I had watched God change atmospheres, and I just knew that I knew that I knew that God was with me and that I was in the space that I needed to be in. So in January of 2015, um, I was at the end of my PhD program. Uh, For those who do a a doctorate in in the humanitarian area, you do your coursework, you do written exams, oral exams, then you do your prospectus, which is usually your first couple chapters, then you do the entirety of your dissertation, the committee gives their final okay on that, and then you do your oral defense, and then you're done. I was in a space where every single person I talked to had told me that my dissertation was one of the best they had ever seen. I was even told to go ahead and set a preliminary date for my oral defense, which is the last step before you finish. I was in a really good space on that particular day. I was traveling, I was speaking, I was preaching. I was doing all the things that bring me joy. And on that particular day, I woke up, and I got ready, got our son ready, took him to preschool, came back home, and I did what I normally do. I am a tea person, so I got my tea ready to go, sat down at my desk, prayed, and said, Jesus, my life is yours. This day is yours. Whatever it is that you have, I'm here for it. And God, I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done. And then I opened up my computer, and I saw a series of three emails. And those emails changed the course of my life forever. I found out that I actually failed my dissertation at the very end. And I had three options. One option was to ask for an extension with the understanding that an extension was not guaranteed, and that even if the extension was guaranteed, there was no guarantee that I was going to actually pass and finish my PhD. Another option is I could graduate with a master's degree and call it good. The last option was I could quit, I could withdraw from the school, and I could apply to go somewhere else and see if somebody else would take me into their program. None of those options are good. None of them are kind. And I put my head in my hands and I put my elbows on the table and I said, oh God, now what? And immediately, The presence of Jesus that had been with me from the time I was a little girl, it left. It was gone. I felt cold, darkness, evil, loneliness like I had never experienced in my life. And every single negative thing that people had said to me or about me Every negative thing that people had done to me, 
even the few times that I had questions about myself and my ability to do a PhD, all of that came flooding back for three hours. I called on the name of Jesus. I prayed. I listened to music. I called on Jesus again. I did everything I knew to do. And there was nothing. Nothing from God. So about two hours into this, into this bombardment, I heard a voice that is not my own say, you can keep calling on your Jesus. He's not going to answer you. He has abandoned you. He has betrayed you. The only way to make all of this stop is to kill yourself. I had never, ever, ever been in a space that I thought that would even be a possibility. And there I was. So I called on Jesus some more and no answer. So I texted my husband and I asked him, would you please pick our son up from school today? And while I waited for an answer for him, from him, I made my plan, totally out of character for me, I'm telling you. I made my plan, got it ready to go, wrote my letter, and then I checked my phone to see if my husband had texted me back because I was ready to do it. And I realized I forgot to hit send on that text message. And then I saw the date. And I knew that I couldn't do it that day. <laughs> I always get choked up in this part. And that was because it was our son's birthday. It was our son's birthday. I chose to live that day because of my husband and my son. Now, there's more that happened that day, but what, what I want to bring us into is the two and a half years that followed that. Because that situation triggered two different things. They're intertwined, but they are separate. I'm going to talk about the easier one first. Um, so I did. Um, I, I talked with a couple advisors of mine and basically said, these are the options that were given to me. What do you think I should do? And each of them in their own way said, well, has God released you from doing this PhD? And I didn't have the courage to say, you know, two days ago, Jesus abandoned me and I almost killed myself. I mean, that's just not something that I was even ready to say or to address. And so all I could get out was, well, no, God hasn't released me from doing this. And I said, well, that means you've got to try. So I did, and um, I did receive the extension. Do you want to bring a moment of joy in the midst of this? Um, I did graduate the following year. I did receive the Outstanding Student Award, and it's important to acknowledge the good things 
the joyful things in the midst of really, really hard things. So I want to acknowledge that it is true. I did finish, I did graduate, and I did receive that award. Okay. Also connected to that, though, I had to sit at my computer and I had to rewrite my dissertation. All these things that I just told you about started at my computer. There were days where I would look at the screen and not realize that the entire day had passed. There were other days where I might be able to write a sentence or two and then blank screen. And I knew I needed to get help. Um, I did have some pastors who came into my life. They didn't know about um, the brush with suicide, but they did know that I was having a difficult time. But I knew that that was, what I was going through was beyond their scope. And so I found a really, really good counselor um, who really helped me not so much process what had happened, but help me process what was happening in the moment so that way I could still work on my dissertation. Um, and I, honest to God, would not have been able to finish my degree without her. And so if you ever find yourself in that space, find a counselor. Not a pastoral counselor, a counselor. Okay, very important. So that was happening, but then uh, I also had these, this two and a half years of wondering where God was, why, what happened, what I did to make this happen, all those questions that come along with, this is not who I am, this is not my character, why did this happen? And so those two and a half years were really a season of what I call grieving, mourning, lamenting, Offering forgiveness to people who are never going to ask for it, and also asking forgiveness from other people because I'm not perfect and I made some mistakes in there too. Okay, so that is where this particular psalm that I read to you comes into play. There were times I would read that and I would scream and yell and say all different kinds of things to God. There were other times where I was just sad and I said, Okay, God, this is who you used to be. Who are you now? And I remember every week I would set aside a specific amount of time to just be with God and say exactly what I thought, because God was still not talking to me that whole time. And I also remember there were times where I would be in conversation with people and somebody would say something that would accidentally trigger me. And so I would have to excuse myself from that conversation, go to the bathroom, cry, try to recompose myself, and then go back out and have that conversation. And that's how grieving and the mourning and lamenting works. It's, you, you can set aside time and space, but you still have to deal with it um, when it comes up. So there were two and a half years of really struggling. You know, um, a couple other things I did that I think were really good where um, I was on pastoral staff for a while, so I got involved in other people's lives, so I wasn't by myself so much. Um, I also started using the Book of Common Prayer for my devotions, and the reason I did that is because I thought, well, 
there are people all over the world who are using this for their devotions. And even if I'm by myself, then at least I'm doing something that other people are doing. And the other thing that I did that I think was really good was I practiced a variety of different spiritual exercises. And spiritual exercises really are not meant to manipulate God. What they're really meant to do is to help us be in a space where when God wants to speak, we're ready and we're open and we're available to hear what God has to say. So this went on for two and a half years, and I want to tell you the um, story of um, how I started stepping out of this. So in July of 2017, I was invited to be a Bible study teacher at the Montana Ministry Network's family camp. So they have a Bible study teacher in the morning, and then they have the more well-known, famous people who are really awesome speakers in the evening. So um, what I would do this entire time was before I would get up and speak, I would say, okay, God, even if you're not with me, even if you don't care about me anymore, I know you care about them. And I know that you love them. So would you do something amazing in, through, and for them in this moment? And every single time, God would do something amazing. So that's how I was praying. And then one day after I did my hour devotional thing, uh, we decided that we were going to go out for a hike. And so we went out for a hike, and we did not get back in time for dinner or to shower before the evening service. And so we decided we were just going to go as we were, dirty, smelly, hair all over, no makeup, just, you know, just ourselves. And um, we decided we were just going to try to be as incognito as we could. And everything was fine until the end of the service. And at the end of the service, the speaker asked for all of our district leadership to come up on the stage and to stand there. So they are all looking nice. I mean, they look like they're going to church, you know, very, very nice. And then I hear my name. And I shrunk down in my seat in hopes that nobody would see me. And then he said, Elaine Buchanan, are you here? And my husband's doing, Elaine, Elaine, he's calling you. I'm like, I know, stop it. (laughs) And then the third time, he called my name and he saw me. He said, oh, there you are. Elaine, I want you to come up here too. I was like, oh, sweet Lord Jesus, have mercy. I look terrible. So I'm up on stage with all of these men who are, you know, nice, dapper, all of that. And he says, okay, so all of us here in the congregation, we're going to pray for you. And then I'm going to release you. And I want you to go and lay hands on people and just pray for them and see what God does. And inside, I thought I was going to die because I had prayed for people. I had not laid hands on anybody in two and a half years. God is not with me, even though he's with other people. You know, all this stuff is going on in my head. And so he releases us, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. I put my hand on the first person's shoulder. I heard a voice right here. Felt the sensation of a hand on top of mine. And I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was Jesus, and I cried like a baby. I went to the next person. You know, I'm just bawling. I don't even know what's coming out of my mouth, just, you know, praying for people, doing all of this stuff. And um, it was 
shocking to me because I was not expecting for that to happen. And I did not know what exactly that meant. So I would love to say that that moment fixed all the stuff, but it didn't. What it did do was it set me on a trajectory of understanding the love that God has for people even better, of understanding what it means when God says that God is with us and we don't feel, we don't know, we don't understand. It has set me on a trajectory of healing, of hope, of forgiveness, of redemption, and I am continuing to see this happen over and over and over again. So I've come here today to tell you, number one, I want you to choose to live. I want you to choose to live. If you find yourself in that space, I want you to call somebody, text somebody, wait for them to get back to you. If you don't already have the numbers 988 on speed dial on your phone, We didn't have that back when I was going through what I was going through. Have that there. If you have a friend who is going through something, just be present. You don't have to say a word. The gift of presence means everything. So what I'd like to do now is um, something, um, I'll just say it. I didn't know what spiritual direction was when I was going through those two and a half years. I knew what counseling was, I knew what coaching was, had no idea what spiritual direction is. And the three are actually in the same family, so counseling takes a look at what was, what's been in the past to help us understand what's happening now. Coaching is about, okay, that we're here and we wanna make it to here, so what are the steps that we have to do to get there? Spiritual direction is about what is happening right now in this particular moment. Is God present? How is God inviting us to respond? Those types of things. So what I'd like to do with you is I would like to do a spiritual direction exercise that I think would have been incredibly helpful to me in those two and a half years. So this is what we're going to do. I'll tell you what we'll do before we actually do it so that you know what's coming. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to think about a question that you would like to ask Jesus. It can be a simple question. It could be something that is burning in the depths of your soul. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to, uh, we're going to take three deep breaths together. And then I'm going to ask you in your mind and in your heart and in your soul to go to a place that brings you peace and that brings you joy. And we'll let you be in that space for just a moment. Then we're going to introduce Jesus into that space. So you can ask Jesus that question. And then we're going to give Jesus an opportunity to respond to you. It may be quiet, it may be nothing that's said, it may be just his presence, or he may have something very specific that he wants to say to you. And then we will come back together, and I will pray for us, and then I'll hand it back over to Pastor Joshua. Okay, So go ahead and think about a question that you would like to ask Jesus.
I'm going to ask you to relax as best as you can. You can feel the, the ground under your feet, the chair you're sitting in. We're going to take three deep breaths together. So let's inhale. And exhale. And inhale. And exhale. And inhale. And exhale. I invite you to go into a space that brings you peace and brings you joy. I'll let you hang out there for just a minute. You see someone coming to you from a distance, and you notice that it's Jesus. He gets closer and closer and closer to you. And he asks you, what do you need from me today? Go ahead and ask him your question. And now we're going to ask Jesus to speak to you, to be with you. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I bring my friends, I bring my colleagues, my leaders, everyone in this room, everyone who may be watching or listening later, I bring them before you. And Lord, I ask that you would speak your truth to them right now. Whenever you're ready, you can say thank you to Jesus and you can come on back into this space. If you want to, you're more than welcome to stay in this space with Jesus. More than welcome. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and then I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Joshua. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as the psalmist said, when we lift up our eyes to the hills, our help comes from you. You do not let our feet be moved. You do not slumber. You keep us. You are the shade at our right hand. You shield us from the sun that strikes by day and the moon by night. You keep us from all evil. You keep our lives. And you keep our going out and our coming in from this time on and forevermore. We love you, Jesus. Amen.